I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Uh, today I'm here with Dr. Jamil Sayage. Sorry if I'm not saying that appropriately. Uh, we'll maybe go with Dr. Jamil just so I, <laughs> I don't mess it up too much. But uh, Dr. Jamil is an international life, business and relationship coach. Uh, he's an integrative naturopathic physician and a master NLP practitioner. He's also the author of 20 Steps to Your Next Breakthrough. So uh, a whole lot of, of interesting stuff there. Dr. Jamil, I, I would love it if you would uh, maybe kind of tell us your background, um, you know, where you got started and, and sort of where your journey has taken you up to this point. Uh, awesome, Jason. First of all, thank you so much for having me. I hope everyone is tuning in, is doing well, and hopefully by the end of this, you've got something that you didn't have before. <laughs> so that'd be really beautiful. And yeah. based on that question, I feel like I can roll with that for the next like hours. <laughs> there you go. I'll give That's a, perfect. I'll give a shortened version of it and then we can go back and forth on it. Okay. And so a little bit about me, as you mentioned, you know, I'm a life business and relationship coach. I'm also a naturopathic physician. And my real passion is to work with leaders and high performers to create an extraordinary life without regret. And when I think about a leader, I don't, think about it as a person who's born a certain way. Being a leader is a choice. It's a choice that we make moment to moment, day to day. Do I wanna step into a leadership role right now? And a leader to me, it's somebody who wants to make a difference. They wanna make an impact, not only for themselves, but for their family, for their company, their community, and depending on the size of their vision, the country, the world, right? And when I think of a high performer, I think of somebody who wants to do and be the best they can at the things that matter most to them. And when I think about those types of people, again, the people who choose, to be that. It's not that you are or you're not. And so from that space, they share with me their biggest goals, their biggest dreams, their biggest challenges and problems in all the different areas of their life. And we dive deep in conversation and I help them see their world differently. And when you see your world differently, you start showing up differently and you show up as a more powerful, more authentic, more capable version of you. And when you do that, the results that you experience are incredible and your whole life transforms. And I've been really blessed to do that for 16 years now. And it has been literally, you know, just, I can't imagine serving the world in a more powerful way in my own life. And so that's just been what lights me up more than anything else. So you're, it's sort of, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, I sort of feel like there's almost two, two components to what you're doing. The, you know, sort of the physician side of things, and then also then the life coach, are you still practicing medicine? Is it, is that kind of an intertwined thing? How is how does that work for you at this point? It's interesting. I've definitely kind of made my own unique, I guess, situation where I remember being in medical school and I, I'd been coaching before then. And I still, you know, medicine was still in the back of my mind, something I wanted to do. And I remember in my third year having the insight that, you know, I was working with all these patients and thankfully, you know, they were getting great results. But a lot of what I was doing that was the most enjoyable, the most profound, like the results that were getting the best you know, outcomes, it didn't really have to do with medicine. It had more to do with the coaching side of it and the psychology side of it and how I was communicating and being with them. And they were getting better. And some of them were recovering from conditions that 
kind of conventionally, we don't think there are cures for it. And it was amazing to see. And I recognized in that moment that, you know, my passion has always been coaching and I want to do that full time. And I'm still going to finish the degree. I'm still going to get my license and I'm still going to find a way to use it. I practiced for a time in Arizona. That's where I went to medical school. And then uh, when I moved back to New York, I went full on into my coaching business. And so now it's full time coaching, but I incorporate health when I can. So as an example, let's say somebody hires me, they're not happy, they're not fulfilled, maybe their business isn't going great, their relationship's not going great, whatever the case may be, we're working on that. But along the way, let's say I find out you've got fatigue and brain fog, and you've got maybe a lot of bloating, and you're not sleeping well, and you don't, you just don't feel good in your body. And that's causing you to be less effective in your work, let's say. And I look into a quick, you know, a couple of questions I might ask you, and we find out you're not sleeping well because let's say you've got a ton of kind of uh, like blue light and things of that nature that are messing up your circadian rhythms. Let's say you're dehydrated. You're not eating good quality food. You got a lot of stress in your life. And there's a bunch of other things that could be taking you off track. And so I'll use kind of some general, I've got 12 pillars of health. And I'll use kind of these general principles to get you back into a place where probably 60 to 80% of what you've got going on physically will either improve or may potentially even go away without you necessarily needing medications and things like that. But I think that, you know, whenever somebody needs a physician, I always refer, I, uh, the people I work with are all my clients. I don't take on patients at this point. And so it's more about using the knowledge that I have medically to help this person just thrive and be in alignment with what it means to be a healthy human being. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it really kind of points to the fact that it all goes together. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's healthy mind, healthy body, and the, you know, the, you kind of can't have one without the other. At least that's how I feel. I mean, you know, exercise and fitness is a big part of my life. And so I know when I am not getting that exercise in, uh, in terms of my mood and all of that, it, it's, it's very much impacted. Mm. My wife knows that and is <laughs> happy to, to make sure that I keep exercising. And so it's, it's, uh, I'm always fascinated by how much those are intertwined and, and then, you know, and then almost stacking mindset and the, that sort of life coaching type of stuff on top of it. And that's something for me that is, is actually relatively new kind of realizing the power of that. Um, I think mindset is a big topic in the real estate space. And so it's kind of, as I've dove deeper into that, it's, it's been, you know, remarkable, you know, sort of how you, are able to shift that, I guess. So when you're working with your coaching clients and, and things like that, what do you maybe give us some of the, the, those pillars that you're focusing on and, and what you're trying to, uh, what tools do you use to help them kind of achieve that, you know, wellness that you're looking for? Yeah. 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 And so you know, like many of my clients are in the real estate space and they're investors, loan officers, agents, brokers, et cetera. And when they show up in my world, I think about it like a triangle. And I'll explain that in a second because you mentioned it's all interconnected, right? It's all you. And so if you think of it like a three-legged stool or like a triangle, there's three sides to it. You've got success, however you define that, whatever that means to you to have a successful life, your career, your finances, all that happiness. Then you've got your health. That's your mind, your body, your spirit. 
And then you've got your relationships, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with your intimate partner, if there is one, and your relationship professionally, personally, friends, family, things like that. And if you've got the health and the relationships, but you don't have the happiness and the success, that's not a great life. If you've got the, the business success and the career success and the relationships are going well, but your health is a mess, you can't really enjoy it. And maybe you've got a lot of disease going on. Maybe the quality of life is poor, things of that nature. And maybe you've got the health and you've got the career stuff, but the, the relationships aren't what you want them to be. And to me, it's like when you have all three dialed in to your own satisfaction, you have what I call an extraordinary life without regret. You've got the health you want, the relationships you want, and the career success that you want, and you're happy. And when you have that type of life, that's really what it's all about for me. So people show up with whatever they show up with, and I always aim to deliver that, but also how can I help them get you know, all areas of that triangle complete? And so there's a lot of different tools that I'll utilize. It's interesting, the way that I coach is very in the moment. And what I mean by that is, you know, it's like 16 years and various trainings and degrees and certifications and books and all these things, they're all like with me in the moment. And whatever that person needs most is what I'll like kind of call on to bring out. So it's not really like a structured plan. This is what we're going to talk about today without me even talking to you first. You know, you show up with what's on your mind, what's on your heart, what you're dealing with. And that's when we dive in. And so, you know, with the NLP background, there's a lot of beautiful um, work that I'm able to do with people. So for example, I had a client earlier today and in order to create a solid foundation for the work, because typically I work with people for six months or for a year, but prior to that, we do this release work and the release work you know, it takes anywhere from like five to 20 hours to do. Everyone's different because they all have different amounts of things to be released. But essentially, imagine there you are, 25, 35. I had a client of mine, he's a real estate investor, and he had a tragedy happen in his life 25 years ago. Ever since then, he hasn't been the same. Ever since then, he's had a lot of emotional challenges and it's affected his life. By doing the release work first, he was free of that. The thing obviously still happened. It was in his past, but it didn't have ownership of him anymore. And because he was free of it, his whole life opened up. And then during the six months following that we worked together, he was a whole different guy. And it was a really beautiful experience. And so, excuse me, when you ask for tools, you know, first and foremost, getting people clear on what's been holding them back from their past. For example, it could be emotions, anger, sadness, fear, hurt, guilt, things of that nature. But the cool thing is, depending on how, how people receive this, I've seen this work for things that are passed down generationally. I've seen this work for past lives. And I didn't believe in that when I got trained in this. And it was fascinating to me how, when it was done with me and I was the client and when I've done it with others over the years, the amount of times people will say, yeah, you know, I don't really believe in that. I'm like, that's okay, you, you don't have to. And then they tell me that the thing that we're working on releasing is actually from a past life and they don't even know what it is. They release it and it's like the weight of the world's off their chest. Like there's like tears coming out, they feel lighter, they go, I don't even know what that was, but I feel amazing right now. And you know, who's to say what that is? I'm not, to, I'm not pretending to know, but it's truly incredible to me to see when I can help someone be free of everything that's happened that doesn't serve them up until this moment. And then from this moment, when they're free of that, being able to build whatever it is they want, that to me has led to long-term results. It's led to people not ever falling back into it. And it's a permanent transformation. And that's been truly uh, an exceptional experience. And so I'll pause there. Yeah, no, I mean, that's great. I, I think I often have wondered, maybe, maybe to an extent, you sort of answered the question I was going to ask, but basically with, with things like, like life coaching and, and um, 
that sort of mindset space. I sometimes wonder when people go to, to a life coach to, to do that work, do you feel that they're, they sort of already bought in? Because I, there is a lot of resistance in the world to, you know, sort of the power of mindset and things like that. And I mean, truthfully, like two years ago, I was probably one of those people that would have thought that that's silly, like that stuff doesn't work. But I, I really have, when I let myself kind of try it out and, and experiment with things that, you know, were mindset related, I really noticed an effect both on, you know, from a mental and physical standpoint. And so do you, do your clients, do you feel that they come in with, they're sort of already uh, open to it? Or do you feel like sometimes they're, um, you know, don't believe that it's going to work or I, I guess, and maybe you get all, all types, but I'm, I'm yeah. interested if that, if there's some, some bias to it in the sense that, someone who goes to a mindset coach already believes that they can have their mindset coached. You know, you know what I mean? But I think it's, but I think even if you believe it, you probably don't know the extent. So I'm just curious, what, how, how do you see your clients coming in, in, in what state of mind? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And so it's like, I don't identify as a mindset coach, but it is obviously an aspect of the work for sure. I think that because of the nature of, and this applies to anybody who's in like kind of that, a service kind of industry space, because my clients come to me, there is obviously some degree of, I want help and I'm ready for help. And I think you might be able to help me. So there is in that sense, some buy-in. I've definitely had people that were referred to me and they didn't even know why their friend just said, you got to talk to this guy. <laughs> so that when I'm talking to them and I say, so what did so-and-so tell you about me? Or like, you know, what do you know going into this conversation? Yeah. And they're like, I don't know anything. Sometimes they do have some, you know, resistance, if you want to call it that. And I'm not in the game of forcing anyone, you know, to work with me. And so when I'm in a conversation with somebody, you know, I always have the first, first one or two conversations are on me and it's a gift. And it's, this is just, are we a good fit? Can I actually support you? Can I help you? And what it is that you want help with? Have I done that before? Am I open to that? Do we both want to do this work together? You know, it's got to be that desire. Yeah. If, if you don't want to be helped, can't help you. If you don't want my help, I shouldn't be the one to help you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, so when people are open to it and we have our conversation and they get a sense to, of, can I help them? You know, because when I'm on a conversation with somebody, I'm not trying to sell them on what I could do for them in the future. Like the conversation is, how can I help you in this moment right now? How can I help you in this conversation? And at the end of it, when you see things that you didn't see before, when you realize, wow, I never thought of it like that. When you realize there's this thing that was causing so much problems and by the end of the conversation, it's not a problem anymore. Then the question becomes, are you complete? Are you done? Or do you want to keep, you know, doing this type yeah. of work? And, you know, the right person is the right fit. We'll say, this was amazing. How do I get more of this? And at that point, you know, I, they're committed, I'm committed, and we, and we make some magic happen for them. But I definitely think, as you said, I think a lot of people have resistance to the, the, the phrase life coach, because it carries with it, depending on how it's interpreted, because it could be interpreted in different ways. But some people think, oh yeah, that's like the, the 18 year old that's gonna tell me about how to live my life, you know? <laughs> and then but you're like 40 or 50 or 60 and you're sitting there going, the hell is this kid gonna tell me about my life? And that's how a lot of people receive it. And that's why for a while I didn't call myself a life coach because that carried with it something that I didn't like the association to. Because to me it was, I'm not telling you how to live your life. I'm helping you see what you're not seeing. 
in the same way that when you're driving a car, you know, there's that you have the blind spot. And it's that thing that you have a hard time seeing. That's why you have the mirror. But even then, you kind of have to lean in to really see it. You're too close to your own stuff. And so life happens in a certain way, however it's happening. You interpret it based on years of conditioning, what you believe about yourself, what you believe about life, what you believe about you know, other people. And then you experience your interpretation. The challenge is you think your interpretation is real. And so because you think your interpretation is real and it feels real, it's real in your experience. So your experience is justified, it's valid. It's not like, don't feel that way. You feel what you feel and it's completely legitimate. It's just that if, what if your interpretation isn't accurate? What if, oh, you think mom did this when I was four for these reasons and you've lived with that your whole life. What if you're wrong? And if you're wrong, that changes everything. All of a sudden, you don't act the same way around mom. You don't treat her the same way. Maybe she's not around anymore, but the relief you have, forgiveness that you experience, it lets you go. And that's just an, it releases you from it rather. But that's just an example of so often people think, what do life coaches do? And they think, oh, you just tell me how to live my life. And I think that there probably are some coaches who do that. I wouldn't call that coaching. I would call that more probably like consulting <laughs> where it's, uh, you know, you're kind of hiring someone to give you feedback and tell you what to do. I think in general coaching, sit with people, love them deeper than, I don't, I don't even have to know you. I can sit with you and love you as a fellow brother and sister on this journey of life who's experiencing hardships and challenges just like everybody else who's trying to do the best they can and is just figuring things out. And from that space, how do you see your world? What's going on? What are your challenges? What are your problems? What are your dreams? Why don't you have them yet? And then you tell me all the reasons why, you know, you don't have what you want. Now you believe those reasons. That's why you don't have it yet. But I don't. And so because I'm that objective listener, I can be with you and say, oh, wow, I see exactly how he's holding himself back. Oh, wow. He's telling himself this story and he's living into it as if it's true. And that's why he's suffering. That's why he's stressed out. That's why he's this. That's why he's that. But what if that wasn't true? And all of a sudden, at the end of every conversation, the person's like, wow. It's so incredible to me when somebody has what they consider to be a problem and in one conversation, it could even be in minutes, not even like a full hour, it's gone. Problem's gone. It's not, in the, it's not in their life anymore. And they sit there and they go, how is it that I've had that problem for years and it's gone right now and it's only been 20 minutes? And it's because in a way, the problem was never real to begin with. The problem was a, was a mental construct. And so if we, if you want, if you, if we want to call that mindset you know, how you see your world, let's say, then yes, I'm a mindset coach. But if uh, it's not like a motivation pump up, that kind of thing, you know, right. at times that, that could be an aspect of it. I see you really getting in your way and maybe you're not hearing what I'm trying to share. I might lovingly be direct with you and share something from my heart to yours. It might be motivational, inspirational, but that's not like what I set out to do. <laughs> yeah. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I think maybe probably there's some, and it, it's, it's a misconception, but there's probably some feeling of, well, if I get a life coach, it's because I screwed up my life, right? Like it's like you're effectively admitting that your life's not perfect, which nobody's life is perfect. So it's, it's, it's not necessarily about that, right? It's more about maximizing, <laughs> maximizing the good, minimizing the bad, and, and sort of, you know, like you're saying, like allowing people to see 
almost just a different perspective than like of, a, of, a, of an objective observer of your life and what you've turned some of those experiences into in your mind is that that's yeah, yeah. ultimately right where what happens we just we whatever happened you know it's like I said like four years old and mom did something and I'm like oh that must have been because of this and it, it may have nothing to do with that yeah and it's like you know four 12 27 36 like it's it's not stop we're, we're doing it all the time there's a distinction I share with clients there's a difference between what happened and your story about what happened yeah. those aren't the same thing and we don't live into what happened. We live into our story about what happens. Mm -hmm. And if our story serves us and it's useful, great. Yeah. You're living into it. It's making your life better. Awesome. But very often we have a story that's not serving us and it's causing a lot of challenges for us. And to your point, a lot of times people think, and this is not only in coaching, this is in therapy, this is in anything. People think, or many people think, not everybody, but many people think if I ask for help, that's somehow a sign of like weakness or that's somehow a sign of, I can't figure it out myself. So now I need to have some other guy or girl, you know, quote unquote, tell me what to do, fix me, right. whatever the case right. may be. Yeah. But the thing is, A, you know, I don't believe in the fix me thing because I don't think you're broken. You know, I think you're whole perfect and complete. I just think you don't see that. And if I can help you see that, a lot of things shift for you. But when it comes to coaching, what I find interesting, when you look at the people that are the highest performers in any industry, whether it's in business, whether it's in athletics, whether it's in, um, you know, like theater and TV shows and things like that, they all have coaches. Yep. And it's not, you know, why is it that LeBron James or Tiger Woods or your chosen athlete of choice who, who you enjoy watching, yep. why do they have multiple coaches for like different areas of their life? It's not because they can't do it themselves. And, you know, LeBron is a better basketball player than his coach. So why would he look to his coach? Because the coach sees things that LeBron doesn't see. Yep. The coach is able to point things out. You know, for me, coaching is a way to get further faster. It's like, if you could do it on your own in 10 years, but you could hire me and do it in, in 10 months. I mean, you can do it in 10 years, but like why, like your most precious commodity really is time. And so you never know how much you're going to get. And, you know, every day, 150,000 people don't wake up and you woke up, you're not one of them, but that's not a guarantee for tomorrow. It's not a guarantee for a week from now, a month from now, a year from now. We've all, we all have people in our lives that, maybe from our own perspective, you know, they, their time came earlier than we would have liked. And from that space, if you know, like Steve Jobs has a quote in his commencement speech at Stanford, um, every day I wake up and I look myself in the mirror and I ask if today was my last day on this earth, would I wanna do what I'm about to do? And if the answer is no, too many days in a row, I'm gonna do something about that. And then he also says, if you live every day as if it's your last one day, you will surely be right same kind of idea, you might not have 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 80 years, however old you are that you're listening to this. And so whatever you want, what if you were to invest your time, your energy, your finances, your, who you are into something that will help you get where you want to be faster? It'll help you solve your problems. You know, I think it was Woody Allen like, uh, who said it, but learn from the mistakes of others because you'll never live long enough to make them all yourself. And it's like from that space, you know, at least for me, we all have our, our thing. We all have what we enjoy. We all have what we spend our time doing, our hobbies, things of that nature. You know, for 16 years now, practically six to 10 hours a day, on average, my obsession is studying human beings, is studying what makes people tick, what makes successful people successful, what makes the people who get in their own way and they're not as successful as they want to be, what makes that happen? 
what makes relationships thrive and what makes them fall apart? What makes people experience happiness, joy, fulfillment, and peace? And what ruins that for them? So on top of my own story, life experiences, things of that nature, is all of the different things that I've studied and learned so that my clients don't have to. <laughs> it's like, you know, they don't have to spend the 10 years that I did because I did it for them or the 16 years that I did rather. And so, yeah, like that's how I view coaching. It's just a way of having two minds instead of just you look at your life and having a partner whose sole purpose is to help you win. You know, other people in your life, they've got their own agenda. They've got things that they want and, you know, they want to win too. But when people hire me, my sole focus is on how do I help this person win? How do I help this person create the life that they want? How do I help this person make their dream come true? How do I help this person see what they're not seeing so that that problem that they've been living into so strongly dissolves? Because again, it's how we see the world that creates our experience of a problem. Yeah. So when you see differently, I think it was Wayne Dyer, excuse me, who said, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. It's a different perspective. And so, yeah, like that's how I look at um, coaching and why I see it's valuable. And I think when people operate from the space, I should be able to do it all on my own. Again, you can more than likely, but why the need to? You know, what, what are you trying to prove to you or to like, I can do it on my own. I don't need help. Just on average, you're going to be a lot less successful that way. You're not going to get, it'll take you a lot longer to get where you're going. And again, if you want to do that and have that pride at the end of the day that I did it on my own, cool. But you could have served more people, had a bigger impact. You could have, you know, created that dream a lot sooner. And I just look at it as if I could check my ego at the door and see, what excites me right now? What would be amazing? And if I could have someone as a partner, like a co-creation partner on this journey for a certain period of time to help me get where I'm going. It's like you see all the different movies, you know, growing up, like I was into a lot of the fantasy stuff. So you see the Lord of the Rings and the Harry Potters and the Star Wars and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you got your Gandalfs and your Dumbledores and you got all these people that kind of serve as guides to the main character. You know, my clients are the hero of their own journey. I get to be one of the guides, one of the stepping stones on their journey to help them bridge the gap, like the where they are to where they want to be kind of thing. And yeah, I just find that very beautiful and impactful. And when people are open to it, it's a, a perfect match. And when they're not, that's beautiful too. They don't need to get help from me. The help will come whenever they're ready for it. And it'll come with whoever they're you know exposed to at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that with the coaching that there's a, it's also a level of accountability that that provides? And I, the reason I asked that, I think for me in like in going to the gym, I, I, I like having a trainer because I make an appointment with my trainer and I have that appointment. I'm going to go to the appointment. I don't, it's like you said, it's not that I can't go to the gym on my own and work out on my own, but what, what the having a, a coach, a trainer, whatever you want, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's accountability. It's like, okay, I have this appointment. Well, I'm not going to blow off my appointment despite the fact that maybe I'm busy doing other things. And so when, even with life coaching, it's like, like you said, you know, people saying, I'm going to do this on my own. You probably won't, right. In reality, you probably won't do it on your own. You'll probably do it a little bit and then get distracted. And the, you know what I mean? So I feel like in, to some extent, the accountability, yes, you have to want it, but having that other person that, not only is providing that outsider input, but it's like, now I, now that person's expecting me to show up and do this work. I, I think 
and maybe that's me, <laughs> maybe that's me needing that and not everybody does, but I, I like that sort of accountability factor. Yeah, no, accountability definitely plays a part. I think that, you know, this, I, I often tell people there's three different types of accountability. You've got personal accountability, and this is the kind of accountability, like you just said, well, I want to do that. I'm going to do that on Tuesday, right? But you wake up Tuesday morning and you said you were going to go to the gym or go for a run or do something and you don't feel like it, right? And so it's easy to not do it. I find that the number one person we break our promises to is ourselves. And so the number one person you break your word to, break your promises to is you. And so a big aspect of the work is how can I help you live in integrity? How can I help you honor your word, honor your commitments and be your word? not only with yourself, but with your spouse, with your business people, with your team, with whatever the case may be. If I can't count on you, I being anybody in your world, then like your word's kind of useless. And, and that makes you less powerful as a human being, as an individual, you can't, it's not as workable. And so when it comes to accountability, again, number one is self-accountability. Some people can do that, no issue. Some people can do it, but they prefer to have a partner. And some people have a really hard time doing it. Either way, it's just having that self-awareness to see, I've been self-accountable for X amount of years. How's it going? If I'm crushing it, my dreams are coming true, everything's going great, then I'm probably doing really well. I think you'd still benefit from having another set of eyes. At the same time, you're doing great. The second level of accountability would be like a coach. Somebody else, again, another set of eyes on your situation. So it's not just you. It's like two minds better than one kind of thing. The third level of accountability is more peer accountability. As an example, you decide, I want to work out every day, as an example, every day this week. And I, I think I might back out on it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to reach out to the 10 people that I respect most in this world. And I'm going to tell them, every night, I'm going to send you a text message this week, just saying done. And if there's any point where I don't send that to you, then I'm going to do A, B, and C, like the consequence, right? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day now, I've got 10 people who I really respect, who I don't, I don't want them to think like less of me. And so now when I wake up and maybe I don't really feel like it, there's that, oh, well, people are counting on me, you know? And then you can do that with your family. You can do that. Oh, I have a daughter, I have a son, they're counting on me. I have a spouse, like they need this. Like when you make it bigger than just you, it's amazing, you know, what, you, what you're capable of. Most people do far more for others than they're willing to do for just themselves. And so, yeah, I think accountability absolutely plays a role in the work, just keeping people on track. And again, holding them, not holding them to the fire in like any negative way, but holding them to the fire of, you said you were gonna do this and you didn't, let's talk about that. And if it's one thing, if you didn't do it because you don't wanna do it anymore, that's fine, that's great. It's something else if you didn't do it because of some fear and excuse and justification that you made up. Because there's that expression, how we do one thing is how we do everything. And that really stems from who are you being? How do you show up in the world? Now that version of you that you're being, you bring to all these different areas of your life. So if you're having, if, you, you, if you're the guy who's got an office that is completely trashed and it's a mess, your car probably looks similar. You know, your mindset is probably similar. Your relationship is probably similar. You probably have, your health is probably similar. But if you're someone who's maybe, you know, you're really organized and you're meticulous and all this different detail, that probably shows up too in the way you do your health and the way you do everything else. And so I think the accountability of just helping people live the life they want to live. And sometimes we show up from the space of, I want to do it, but I'm afraid. And I'm waiting until the fear goes away. Instead of realizing courage doesn't mean you're fearless. 
Courage means you're afraid, but you do it anyway, either because it's something that matters more to you than the fear, or you're more afraid of what happens if you don't do it, right? And so from that space, it's like, all right, are you living the life you want to be living? If the answer is yes, you're winning. Keep doing it. Excuse me. If the answer is no, then why not? What is the story you tell yourself about why you can't have what you want? And this is where the accountability comes in. You know, there's that expression, argue for your limitations and you get to keep them. You know, it's, we each are basically casting spells over our life. You know, it's like, and from that space, what are you putting out there? Are you putting out there the perpetuation of your current situation? And then you keep living into it. And then you wonder why life doesn't change. Life doesn't change because it doesn't, you do. There's that expression like, you know, life doesn't get easier, you get better. Yeah. If you try some type of sport for the first time, and then five years later, you're an expert at it. The sport didn't get easier. Sport didn't change at all. You got better. And it's that same kind of way. You know, how are you showing up and having that person kind of cheering you on, believing in you more than maybe you might believe in yourself. And the amount of people who have told me that that has been such a gift to them, to have someone who sees them in such a high esteem and somebody who holds them in such a high standard that they don't want to let, let me down. And so they live up to it and then their life improves in, you know, across the board. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know. I, I like, I never really thought about accountability. I'm, I'm a big fan of accountability, but I had never thought about it in sort of those um, three components. So I, I actually really love the way you broke that down. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned something in there that, that actually I think is a little bit of a, <laughs> a good segue in that you said, you know, sort of what, as part of accountability, it's like, what is that, what is that thing that's pushing you to, to do whatever you're trying to achieve? And the, uh, the name of the podcast is Know Your Why. And so I think that that plays a big part in all of this. It's like, there needs to be something bigger than yourself so that you will push through those things. And, you know, you said that sort of group accountability, well, that might be to your family and you've got, you know, kids or a wife or a husband or whatever it is, whatever your family is, you can, uh, you'll achieve more for them than you might if you just thought, oh, it's just, you know, it's just me. I don't. So it's, it brings, uh, it, it just really hits <laughs> because I feel like the why is so important. It really sort of hits it for me. So um, maybe I'll, I'll just go ahead and ask you, um, what is your why? What, what's, what drives you at this point in your life? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I also agree with you. I think that, you know, knowing your why is, it can be so important and so immensely helpful and I'll share mine. And um, yeah, so thank you for asking. And so for me, comes to make a long story, you know, relatively short. When I was 19, my dad had a brain aneurysm. And for anyone who's not aware of what that is, imagine one of the blood vessels in the brain, think of it like a tube and imagine it starts to kind of balloon out. And then if you're fortunate, you have a really bad headache probably one of the worst settings of your life. And you go to the hospital and if they catch it in time, they take care of it and you're, you're okay. My dad wasn't as fortunate and his aneurysm ruptured. And when it ruptured, he was in a four hour brain surgery and we were told that it was the worst aneurysm the surgeon had ever seen and that he likely wouldn't survive, probably less than 5% survival chance. And if he did survive, he'd never wake up. And in those four hours, I... I was doing what I could to be strong for my mom, my sister. I was 19, my dad was 49. And there was a lot of hope 
a lot of like, I'm hoping this works out, you know, prayers, all of these things. And uh, walk into the room, he survives the, he survived the surgery and already a miracle, but he's in a coma. And we're being told he's in this critical space and he could die at any moment. And in that moment, I had these two emotions. I had the sense of helplessness that I'm looking at this man who is my dad. He's like the epitome of what it was to be a man for me. And he's laying there more helpless than I've ever seen anyone looking like a truck hit him. And the second emotion was regret. There was this profound regret that I didn't know my dad the way that I could have, that I had taken our relationship for granted, that I assumed he was always going to be there, or at least he'd be there until he was like 80 or 90 or older. And because of that assumption, I looked back, just, it was, it was like, it was like, uh, it all happened quick. I walk into the room, I see him. And as I'm just with him, I'm seeing all the, the missed opportunities. I'm seeing all the things that I didn't take advantage of. And, um, you know, he survived another three years before he passed away. And in those three years, I took several years off after college to be one of his primary caregivers. And in those three years, we helped him make almost a full recovery. And it was amazing. You know, he came out of the coma. He wasn't the same, obviously, but he was a lot closer than he was, you know. And I had some of my highest highs and my lowest lows. I had beautiful moments of he was a musician and I love to sing and he loves to sing and we would do music together. We would spend time, we would talk. We'd spend like 10, 15 hours a day some days. And I had my prayers answered in that sense. I got to spend time with him and really get, get to know him. And he became one of my best friends. And at the same time, I had some really low lows. You know, he was prone to seizures after his aneurysm. He would have two minute, four minute, five minute seizures in my arms when the phone is across the room. And I didn't have any medical background at the time. And I thought he was like, you know, dying. I had no idea what was going on. And moments where he had short-term memory loss and he forgot who I was. And I'm arguing with him that I'm not his nephew. And I remember just, there was a lot of dark, but also a lot of light. And throughout that experience, I continued to coach people. I continued to study and learn and really started to mature and see life differently and saw the miracle of each day and each moment. I mentioned earlier, every day, 150,000 people didn't wake up. And you woke up if you're listening to this. And if you're real fortunate, maybe the people that you care most about, maybe they woke up too. And even if it was just you, like you hit the lotto right from the get-go, but most of us live our life from the perspective that waking up is a given. Like, you know, being alive, that's a given. We, we take it for granted, not knowing that that's a big deal. Like that's the best thing that could happen to you. And it did. And, and so I stopped taking it for granted. And I started realizing every day, you know, I went to bed wondering, is that the last time I'm gonna see my dad? And then I woke up in the morning thinking, was that all a dream? And it was like this interesting limbo space that I was in for a while. And every day you know, I got to see my dad and I'm like, I don't know if he's going to be here tomorrow. I'm really going to connect with this man. But that bled over into my relationship with my mom, my sister, my friends, my clients. And I really started valuing life. And after three years, my dad passed away. And I remember being at his wake and it was a five hour wake and over 7,000 people came. And my dad was a family practice physician. And he was also one of the top three Elvis impersonators in the world. You know, music was his life. He was all, all county, all state drummer when he was growing up. And, you know, music was such a big part of our life. And all these people came in, patients, musicians, people I'd never met before. 
I shook every single person's hand and almost everyone said, your dad saved my life. And he was 53 when he passed away. And most of them hadn't seen him since he was 49 or, or younger. And I just felt this immense, I was humbled because I was like, wow, like what an impact he had on the world. But also I had recognized in that moment that I was playing small, that I was robbing the world of my light because I was afraid of rejection, that I was afraid of really being me because what if I wasn't accepted? What if you didn't like me? What if whatever, you know, all the what ifs. And I saw how in those three years that I was taking care of my dad, two of my cousins passed away and one was 20 and one was 21. And if you were to ask either of those men when they were, let's say 18 or 19, tell me about your life. Like in terms of what you have planned, promise you neither one would say I'd be dead in three to four years. And from that space, you know, none of us would obviously plan for that, but it could happen. So then the question becomes, are, do you love your life? Are you doing, are you building a life that you can be proud of? Are you building a life that you love or are you building a life that you, you're going to regret later? Because you maybe you're living somebody else's version of your life, what society or family or whatever says you're supposed to do versus what your heart and soul are calling you towards. And I've met so many people throughout those three years taking care of my dad and in the nine years since then, who from every age, age range, people who are 70, 80, 90, who look at me with this sense of regret in their eyes as they tell me a story about their life. And there's a lot of, I wish I did this, I should have done that, things of that nature. Then there's people who were in their teenage years, 20s, 30s, 40s. And these people are telling me, either I don't know what I wanna do and I'm doing something I don't like, or it's like, I'm doing something I don't like, but I've been doing it for a while and it's kind of too late to change. So I might as well stay in it until I retire. You know, So they're taking a big gamble that A, they're gonna survive till retirement and B, that they're gonna have enough time after to enjoy their life. Yeah. And then there's that middle, like 40, 50, 60. And again, those people, as long as you're alive, you have an opportunity to do something. Like you can always pivot. You can always do it differently. You can always change. It's only the story you have in your head that you're convincing yourself about why you can't. And I see all these people that are living a life they would regret. And that's why when we started, I mentioned my mission, my purpose is to help people live an extraordinary life on their own terms without regret. It's because that feeling that I had when I looked at my dad in that hospital room, I never want anyone to have to experience that. But not just in terms of like with a loved one, but with their life, you know? And I've just seen so much of that and I wanna do something about that. And so just getting to the people that I've worked with over the years, getting to see them turn around, getting to see these beautiful messages of appreciation and gratitude that they send to me, very often it just brings tears to my eyes because it helps me see that not only I am shining my light, I am living my life in such a way that I can be proud of, that I love, like I don't plan on retiring, I wanna do this forever. And obviously people can say that and who knows what's gonna happen. But like that to me, I'm choosing to live my life in such a way that I, if I could do it all over again, I wouldn't change a thing. And it's like, I wish that the people that I spend time with can say the same. And if I can be a part of that, so that when you, get to, when you get to the end of your day and your head hits the pillow, if you were told, by the way, you're not gonna wake up tomorrow, could you look at your life and say, what a ride? Like, could you look at your life and say, wow, you know, there was a lot of things that I wanted to do. And, you know, the people that I love know how much I love them. Like the things that I do, I do them because they, they resonate with my spirit, with my soul, like I love it. And I'm making an impact, I have a purpose. I'm making an impact, I'm making a difference. 
And if you could say that, you'd be able to fall asleep peacefully. Or would you be sitting up the whole night worried because I'm not ready to die? And what I find is that most people are afraid of dying because they haven't really lived. They're afraid of dying because there's this, there's this awareness. I've been playing small. I'm not living up to my full potential. Like if, if full potential is a 10, I'm playing at a three and I'm calling it a six to make myself feel better. <laughs> so it's like, I'm living at a three. And why, why is it that so many people have like a near-death experience, health scare, something like that. And they change their whole life after that because they finally recognize like they're gonna die. They finally recognize that they're not immortal physically at least. And from that space in Buddhism, there are some monks that they put a skull next to their bed and it's a way of reminding them that you know death is inevitable, but in a positive way, in the same way that there's like that phrase, memento mori, like remember death. Because when you remember death, when you know it's coming, when you know it's a part of life, nothing wrong with it. When you know it's a part of the experience, the fear of death dies in you. And when the fear dies in you, you can truly live. But when you're living in fear, you don't, you're not really living to begin with. And so to me, it's like, how can I help people really live? How can I help people become alive again? That's why I do what I do. And um, yeah, that's it. That's a, thank you for sharing that story. I mean, I, I'm sure that was a, a very difficult time, but I, it sounds like you've kind of made, made the very best out of it. So um, that's phenomenal. And, and having that perspective, I think, uh, probably makes you a very good life coach and being able to, you know, sort of see, <laughs> see, what you, see what you might be wasting, which is time. We, it's the only thing we can't make more of. So it's, it's kind of a, uh, a very powerful, you know, sort of impactful story to have to, to really, I guess, shine a light on that point. Um, Thank you, Jason. If people want to reach out to you, they're looking for coaching, they just want to say hi, what's, uh, what's the best way to reach out to you? We can um, get it in the show notes as well. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. And so if somebody is interested first in just saying hi, you know, I'm on Facebook on my name, just Jamil Sayaj. I'm on Instagram at dr Jamil Sayaj. And uh, feel free to give me a message. I'd love to hear from you. Maybe you want to share something that impacted you from what you heard here today, maybe an insight that you had, something you were inspired to do. I'm always open to hearing that, cheering you on from a distance, and that's wonderful. If you're interested in content, you know, different podcasts like this, um, videos, I've, I probably have about 500 or so videos, different pieces of content from over the years that you could find on my Instagram, on my Facebook. Also, my website is gmailsayage.com. A lot of videos are on there, blog posts, things that you can just turn your life around from that. If you just wanted to just consume some content, that's wonderful. If you're interested in getting a copy of my book, you can get a free PDF of that on, on my website of 20 Steps to Your Next Breakthrough. I wanted to make that a really easy, actionable, practical source, a guide that is not something that you have an excuse not to do. So for example, the 400 page book could be amazing. Most people aren't gonna read that. But if I have like a 70 page book and every chapter is like one to three pages, <laughs> that's a little more manageable. In five minutes, you can get two or three chapters in and maybe you read all of it in an hour, maybe you spread it out. But either way, if you're feeling stuck, if you're wanting some momentum in your life, that's why I made that. It's a way to get you kind of from zero to 60, like <laughs> get you started. And so, so that's available. There's also an audiobook version for a couple bucks. It's on the website as well. And if anyone's interested in having a conversation, if something resonated here, if you think that, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to get some support. If you think that I do have some dream or goal that I'd like to get faster, or I've got a challenge that 
has been bothering me for a while. And if I can get some support, whether it's in my relationship, my business, whatever it is, you can find the link for that on my website. It's also in the show notes, like Jason said, and I'd love to be in conversation with you. And on that call, it's no pressure on that call. It's really just you and me get to know each other. We have a great conversation. You share with me what you want. If I can support you, we talk about that. And then at the end, if it feels good, we move forward. And if it doesn't, we part ways and we had a great conversation. And so that's pretty much uh, what I can offer personally. And when it comes to any men who might be listening, I also, me and two friends of mine, we have a men's empowerment mastermind group. And that's been something really incredible too. It's called Liberating Men. And so if you want to join the free Facebook group, you can find it. There's tons of content in there. The content itself, phenomenal. And if you want extra support, we have like a paid mastermind as well. But at least the free group, if you're a guy and you're looking for a band of brothers, you're a guy who wants help creating, contributing to other people, this might be the group for you. And feel free to check it out. And if you, uh, if you apply, I'll, uh, I'll approve you. And then looking forward to seeing you in there. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that. And, and uh, thank you for coming on the show today. I, I mean, everything that you shared, I think was incredibly insightful. I, I think, uh, I hope that you'll have a lot of people reaching out to you because I think probably we could all use a little bit of life coaching. It's <laughs> just to get, get, uh, get better, get faster, I think would be, uh, would be very helpful. So again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate you. And thank you everyone for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. All right. Have a good day, everyone.